If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are looking live at VSIN Primetime. Live from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, here's Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel. It is VSIN Primetime. You know, the Vegas Stats and Information Network presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Adam Burke is here. We're talking Major League Baseball. So I told our audience I had a question for you because you sparked something in my, my brain, my memory, that I wanted to ask you when it comes to handicapping some of these MLB awards. Because you talked about when we're looking at Bieber and whatnot and having a defense behind you to win Cy Young, that the statistics like ERA, you want those counting stats. Baseball, sabermetrics, right? Uh-huh. Society for American Baseball Research. Thank you. Uh, What's the E? What? What's the E? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Oh, okay. But it it, it comes from. S-A-B-R. Well, that's what Society for American Baseball Research is. S-A-B-R. Maybe maybe we're just just... adding an E for no reason whatsoever. Anyway, um, baseball, as we know, is very, like, it's like the first sport, right? All these analytics and, and metrics and different ways to evaluate players. When you're looking at the way voters vote, do voters use advanced metrics more? Will you have an accurate handicap of a guy winning, let's say, the Cy Young if his FIP is actually really good, but his ERA isn't, right? Like, will the voters tend to actually look deeper and see some of the things we see when it comes to these awards, or is there still that very strong contingent that uses metrics like ERA and whatnot that you need to be good in the traditional metrics as well for your guy to have a shot? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I know what you're saying. So I think you've got to have the happy medium, right? I mean, a lot of times, like, you have to have at least 200 strikeouts. You know, a lot of times it's been 200 innings, give or take. I mean, Blake Snell didn't get 200 innings last season, but, you know, he obviously had the peripherals otherwise to, to go ahead and win the award. Um. I think that we're getting to a point where the people voting are more well-versed in, in the analytics 
Uh, that's also true of the Hall of Fame voting as well. So that's something that I think should start to change, hopefully, over the next 10 to 12 years, something like that. But I, I do think that, you know, you, you kind of need both. You kind of need the traditional metrics and also the advanced metrics. But the thing is, I mean, they largely work hand in hand, right? I mean, if you've got a good ERA, good FIP, high strikeout rate, high inning total, stuff like that, you're probably going to have the best B war, which is baseball reference war, or F war, fan graphs calculation of war. So you're probably going to have, you know, that total package. I am hoping for a situation where we run into a guy who maybe has like a 375 ERA, that's not really his fault. He's on a bad mm-hmm. defensive team, but his peripherals are really, really good. You know, what do the voters do at that point? How split are the votes? Stuff like that. But I think right now, it's in a position where you kind of have to have both. Okay. All right. I like it. Um, since you are here with us, I'll ask, since we're on this topic, for our audience, and you can find a lot of these too, by the way, the free VSIN baseball primer is up there. VSIN.com slash guide. Again, free. You don't need a subscription or anything like that. You can download it for free. Get ready for the baseball season. So one of my big weapons that I love to use, this is one of my biggest, I, I, that's why I'm excited kind of for this season. One of my biggest challenges for baseball season personally is I generally like to wait because I like to have current season metrics and data. However, this season, I want to hit the ground running and I want to do this. So to start a season in terms of regular season, what do you use for metrics? Do you bounce like, we'll use Snell as the example. Let's say Snell, you know, whatever. In a vacuum, let's say Snell's on a team, okay? And he's, and he's gone through spring training. He's ready to go for an opening day roster, whoever it is. Snell was a guy who, if you looked at some of his numbers, I think his fielding independent was around 365, right? A little bit worse than what his actual ERA was. And he's going to be a guy, though, that is priced like a dude who just won the Cy Young that's under a three ERA, all that kind of stuff. Are you going off of last season's statistics and trying to find those discrepancies and playing them early? What are you using for data to start the year when you're handicapping day to day? So there's a lot of research has to come into play, right? Because I want to know, have guys learned a new pitch? Mm-hmm. You know, are guys maybe making some sort of mechanical tweak? Like we saw Brandon Fott, for example, who wound up being a playoff hero for the Diamondbacks. In season, he went from throwing, I believe it was on the first base side of the rubber to the third base side or vice versa. I can't remember exactly which one it was. But Brent Strom made this huge change with him and all of a sudden unlocked his potential, right? So I'm really studying for that kind of thing in spring training to find out, have guys added velocity? Are guys not maintaining velocity? Is there a new pitch? Something like that. So that's a big part of it for me. But from a statistical standpoint, Blake Snell is a really, really good example, right? So Blake Snell is a guy that... He is what he is. A lot of strikeouts, a lot of walks, typically doesn't work deep into games. There were two things that really that he benefited from a lot last season. The first was his batting average on balls in play was 256. That was 30 that's 32 points right. below his career average. So that's a spot where I would look for some negative regression out of him. The second thing is left on base percentage was 86.7%. Now left on base percentage League average is about 71, 72%. He's always been above that. He's 78% for his career, but 86.7%, the highest, second highest he's had in a full season. He is a guy who typically does pretty well with that because he gets the opportunity to strand a lot of base runners, right? Because he walks a lot of guys. But those are two of the big things I would look at for him. The other thing is he, his hard hit percentage was down to 33.7%. So I would go, Why? Did he change his location? Did he change his pitch pitch mix? Was he throwing harder? Was it something about Petco Park? You know, because Petco Park is a really, really bad hitters park, as we know. So why? What was it that led to so many of these outliers converging all at once for Blake Snell to win the Cy Young? And are they repeatable? To what degree are they repeatable? And if he falls back to his career averages, what does that mean? 
So that's what I go through kind of on an individual basis with starting pitchers. There are different metrics you can look at on a team level. Uh, base runs record, Pythagorean win-loss, third-order win percentage is another one that takes into account your strength of schedule. So you can look at those things from a team standpoint, but I always look for the outliers from a play, individual player standpoint and try to decide what is the potential staying power of what happened the previous year? All right, I like it. Yeah, but my, my strategy is always what I like to do. I think you and I have talked about this. I really like once we're in uh, like a month or two, I like playing on those, you know, those FIP and ERA differentials mm-hmm. and trying to find guys that are going to fade back or are actually getting a little unlucky in the early part and play a lot of those until they really even out. And it's, it's a way that I've had success. But my big question now is diving in right away and trying right. to get this going. So I'm going to be well, fascinated to see that process start. Well, and you think about a Blake Snell thing, right? The, the sure. 256 batting average on balls in play, the super low hard hit rate, 33.7%. The reason his Babbitt was so low is because he stopped allowing as much hard contact as he did. However, last year with no shift, I would have expected a lot of guys batting averages on balls in play to go up. So if I'm expecting yeah. that Snell is going to allow more hard contact this year, then his BABIP actually may go up above what his career average is. So that's something that I have to keep in mind, too. Also, the Padres were a really good defensive team last year. If he winds up signing with a team that's not very good defensively. The Giants were near the bottom of the list, right? right exactly. Unsaved, so. Yeah, exactly. Now, but the thing about the Giants is it's a very good pitcher's park. Yeah. So, you know, would I regress his numbers that much? So, the, it, like, think about this, right? So let's say that Blake Snell signs with the Giants, right? That's a completely different mindset than if Blake Snell signs with the Yankees, where all of a sudden he's in the AL East in a small ballpark, a guy who, you know, will walk people, you know, those fly balls, all of a sudden that were easy outs at Petco, maybe go over the wall on the short porch in right field, something like that. So there's also that park factors come into play in a big way too. Yeah, I kind of want to, if, uh, if he goes to the Yankees, I think you might circle him to kind of play against a little bit at the beginning yeah. of the year. Um, that would be my my thought process, though. All right. But by the way, we're at that. We're at the break. Sixty three fifty eight. Charlotte Hornets lead the Philadelphia 76ers. That's the bet that I'm currently tracking and sweating uh, every single moment. I am tied into it, even though I'm sitting here listening to Adam. <laughs> I promise I'm in. Uh, we were also just moments away from tip off for the five o'clock games. We'll just give you the updated injury reports as well uh, as we were kind of getting into it with the uh, the baseball talk. But. Um, when it comes to the injuries, the real big names to monitor here in the 5 o'clock window, Anthony Edwards and De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox is not going to play today. He has been listed as out, so he's going to miss this game against Minnesota. Meanwhile, on the other end, Minnesota had their own injury question marks. It was whether or not Anthony Edwards was going to play. He is available for Minnesota. So if you've been keeping track of the market and saw it get kind of wonky, uh, we are up now up to like 8.5, eight, 8 at multiple spots. DraftKings is up to 8 right now with a total of 222 or 222.5. Uh, as I wrote about today in the NBA preview up on the website of vcin.com you know the timberwolves have a higher floor i made the argument adam without their best player as opposed to sacramento when sacramento doesn't have De'Aaron fox on the floor negative seven net rating an offensive rating of only 113.4 there's all very very poor numbers so if you get a baseline performance defensively from the best defense in the nba could foresee a pretty tough night here for sacramento and the market has adjusted accordingly to eight and the other one and this is just more of a fascinating thing Indiana, New Orleans. I wanted to get your thoughts on this really quickly as we're, we're minutes away from tip-off here. That swing and the situation, it's very similar to what we've talked about in college basketball all year long. You know, these, these scheduling spots seem to really work out quite a bit. Wake Forest is the best example most recently. Big win at home against Duke. Go play Notre Dame. Lose the game outright. Let down, written all over it. And the market really prices those things in. You know, Ken Palm had a projection of like nine. They were only laying six and a half. So you as a better for Notre Dame really weren't getting that much value per se, but the spot seemed to be worth it. Here, 
New Orleans closed as a four-point favorite in Indiana. Everything was equal in terms of availability. Everything's equal again here. We're laying five and a half. I've got home court at two and a half points. So, like, that would mean if you're laying four over there in Indiana, you're laying probably about two and a half here in New Orleans. Here we are at five and a half. This is one of those classic things where do you go with the spot, which is these, these back-to-back matchups and playing on the loser of the other one, and, and do you just bite the bullet? Or do you just go with the number and say, screw the situation, there's too much value here? It's, I think it's a fascinating game to watch what's going to happen tonight. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, especially in, in the NBA and college basketball, stuff like that, where you do have the really quick turnarounds, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and, and keep that in mind for conference tournaments as well, where, you know, you're going to have teams playing four games in four days, five games in five days, stuff like that on the college side, where everyone just goes, well, they're college kids. They can, they can deal with it. They'll be fine. They got young legs and all that. Not always the case. And something else, too, I think is kind of interesting. You know, I was a situational handicapper in the NBA for a long time. Now I just realized I just don't have enough time to really handicap that to the degree that I should. But it is priced in the market. You're absolutely right. And, and that's something that's been priced in the market more and more and more as, you know, we've kind of gone along here. So, yeah, if you feel like you're getting some great edge from a number standpoint, you're not. But there will be a lot of games where maybe the number just doesn't even come into play. All right. Another question just popped into my mind when it comes to college basketball. So we're going to ask Adam that. We're going to get to, of course, the rest of our preview. We have the American League West left to preview here. And, of course, coming up in a little bit, Nick Kalik is going to join us to talk UFC. Don't go anywhere. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN.com slash guide, folks. Check it out. You can download the baseball betting primer for free. Absolutely brilliant. You get World Series futures analysis. You get tips on how to bet spring training. We got plenty of that left. And a guide on how to use sabermetrics in Major League Baseball betting. Find that for free up at VSIN.com slash guide. That's VSIN.com slash guide. We're back here on VSIN Prime Time. Jonathan Von Tobel. Tim Murray off on vacation, Adam Burke alongside with us here, and a uh, very nice and very warm welcome and hello to Greenville, New Bern, Jacksonville out there in North Carolina, one of our many, many affiliates around the country, WRNS. Shout out, North Carolina, going to get mobile sports betting here soon, too. Oh, it's very true, huh? When's the, uh, what's the date for that one? I don't know that there is a date, but I'm pretty sure that they'll scramble to get it done before March Madness starts. Yep. We also say hello to uh, Johnstown Altoona State College, huh? How about that? You're listening to these in the Commonwealth. Time. Yeah, really? Houston, the Keystone Dude, State. You guys are. I'm not very well traveled, I guess. So like we were it, like you guys were talking. I was rattling off the states. We got a list of all of our wonderful affiliates around the country, and every single one of you had like these ridiculous facts about like every single one of these places. I've never been to any of these places. I wish I could. There are a lot of things in life that I am not good at at all. Trivia, geography, two of them. Trivia, really? Yeah. Ooh. I've got a friend, and actually he appears uh, regularly on the program. His name's Adam Hill, Las Vegas View Journal. You see him on the network quite a bit. He's filled in once or twice, covers the Las Vegas Raiders. They go to the same trivia spot every week, and they've won it like 12 to 15 times. They go to McMullen's? I don't know, but I have challenged that you're not good at trivia. That place just sucks and nobody goes. So I'm looking to put a, ring, a team of ringers together to take them down. All right. Just call or text me. All right. I'm on a list. Britain, I feel like you'd be good at trivia. So you're on the list as well. Okay. There we go. Anybody, anybody else in this uh, room? Yeah, We're you, in. You Let's gotta, go. to make sure that you find a group of friends that has like yeah, a diverse skill set. Yeah. You know, a lot of knowledge across a lot of different things. Also, you need a sandbagger who's 20, 15, 20 years older than you. Okay. That's going to get some of those things. Okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. So we can bring in Tim. Uh, in spirit, Tim's an old man. <laughs> so, you know, that, that should help. Um, he was singing like some like Frank Sinatra song the other day, like over and over again. I wanted to scream at him. Stop. He wouldn't do it. Okay. So, hmm. What am I going to go with here? All right, let's go college basketball. We did talk a lot about uh, Major League Baseball. We'll get to the AL West here coming up in a little bit. By the way, in 10 minutes, Nick Kalikas is going to be with us, former odds maker uh, and, of course, betting analyst for the UFC. We'll talk uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship, not to be confused with the Ultimate Fatness Championship, in which I am enlisted against Dustin Sweetelson uh, for a pot of – it's like a little bit over $1,000. I think John Goulet is going to throw some money in it too, so uh, very heated competition there. Um, oh, yeah, I have to use it on an NFL future, which I kind of wanted to push back on. Like, no, like I, I want the 500. I want the pot. Like, I don't yeah. want to spend it on a future. What are we doing? And they didn't even win. I just get to say goodbye to it. If it doesn't come through, we'll, we'll figure that stuff out. So I was going to ask you a question. So today we get to see the end of a couple of conferences in terms of the regular season play. 
uh, Sun Belt and which, which Atlantic other one? Sun. Atlantic Sun. Tomorrow the Horizon League. Tomorrow ends. the Horizon. Sunday the Missouri Valley Conference, I believe, ends as yep. well. In terms of getting ready for these conference tournaments, how and maybe this is specific to a certain conference. How deep are some of these small conferences? How important is conference seeding? With everything, because we're obviously waiting for these odds to get hung up for some of these tournaments that would imply, obviously, like, hey, we really want to know what seeding is, how it affects odds. And I would assume in certain conferences like with buys and whatnot, obviously, that does affect your probabilities. But truly, how important is seeding in some of these smaller conferences? And are there is there any battles that you're looking at here in the next couple of days in these smaller conferences that you that would determine how you're looking at some of these conference tournaments? Yeah, I mean, the, the simple answer that requires a long explanation is it's on a case-by-case basis, right. right? Because, you know, you'll have some conferences like the Horizon League, for example, where the first round and the quarterfinals are played on campus sites, and then they move to a neutral site for the semifinals and the championship game. So there's definitely incentive to be able to host a game or just go ahead and skip over and play in the quarterfinals. Then you get the West Coast Conference tournaments, which is like you win all the way up until like the semifinals and you're good to go. Right, yep. exactly. And then, you know, like the Atlantic Sun, for example, all of the games are played at campus sites. Okay. So, you know, you definitely want to have as high of a seat as possible so that you don't have to travel, don't have to go on the road. And again, it also depends on the composition of the conference, right? So the Atlantic Sun, you have a lot of teams that shoot a ton of threes. Like North Florida, I think almost 53% of their shots are three-point attempts. They would prefer to be at home, certainly. They're probably going to be the five seed here, uh, the Ospreys in that conference tournament that will start coming up here on Monday. So in a conference like that, it matters a whole lot. You know, and, and some of these other conferences, maybe it doesn't. You know, and, and also, I mean, it comes down to, you know, the draw that you're looking at, stuff like that. The other thing is for me, from more of a betting standpoint, when you look at the futures markets, right, teams to win the conference tournament, you may have a number one seed that's a little bit weak. You know, maybe they just won close games. You know, maybe they wound up being a number one seed, but somebody's hurt. Or maybe, you know, another team, top competitor, was missing guys throughout the course of the regular season. They're back now, stuff like that. You want to look at the bracket as a whole and try to see who you can attack. Mm -hmm. Do you want to attack a week two seed, a week one seed? Do you want to stay away from a one seed or stay away from a two seed that maybe it's a conference tournament that rotates in terms of where it is? For example, the Ivy League, they rotate through the member schools. So you may have a situation where the number four seed all of a sudden has home court advantage, something like that. So you really want to look at the conference tournament format for all these smaller conferences because they're all going to be different. Or, you know, in the case of, um, like, Conference USA, it used to be, I, I, there was a messed up conference tournament. They were playing on two courts at the oh, same time. Oh, I remember time. that day, like a little, like a, like a little curtain it, between yeah, it was the like, it was gyms, like an right? AAU tournament. Yeah. You know, so, like, that was a super weird thing. The Missouri Valley has, a, has one game where there's a huge time advantage in terms of, you know, your rest versus the other team's rest. You know, there's all these little quirks to all these small conference tournaments that you definitely want to try to dig into the format of, and those will be things that we mentioned that I will instruct our writers to mention for the 32 conference tournament previews we're doing at vcin.com. Oh, there we go. See, Sorry oh, for being so long-winded there. No, it doesn't, but it ends, it's not long-winded, and it ends in a perfect pub for the, uh, the website of vcin.com. looks beautiful. And again, if you've never checked it out, you get free access for a couple of articles. So see what you're missing out on if you are. So that's a natural transition then. We do have a big weekend in college basketball. It's generally always a big weekend. And we're, we were talking generally about some of the smaller conferences, uh, but the big boys do take center stage this weekend because we do have quite a few matchups that uh, are worth focusing on. And I wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of these and, and think, you know, engage some thoughts here. First off, let's go with the big one of the SEC. They're all big. Tennessee's on the road against Alabama. I am going to be fascinated by this because, again, let's talk about this situationally. Adam, Tennessee gets a big win over Auburn. Now you have to follow that up a couple of days later by going on the road to take on Alabama. 
I feel like generally and situationally, this would be a negative spot for Tennessee. I think the market will probably view it as such. So I feel like I'll be I'll be hard pressed not to actually bet Tennessee because it's probably going to get overbaked into the market and everybody's going to be coming in on Alabama here in this spot. But what do you make of it situationally going on the road for Tennessee after a win over Auburn and just the matchup itself against an Alabama team that defensively is, I would say, pretty average, but offensively makes up for it with how explosive they can be, especially at home. So I look less at the situation in a game like this and more at what happened in the first game. You know, how do these two teams match up? And Tennessee won the first game by 20, you know, at home. As you mentioned, they are on the road here in Tuscaloosa. But what was really interesting about the first game, and, you know, I'm sure you're like this too with the NBA, especially with the analytics and Maury Ball and the way that things have changed in terms of shot selection in the association. I look a lot at shot selection from a college basketball standpoint. I want teams that get to the rim and shoot threes. Mm -hmm. I do not want to waste my time backing a team that shoots a bunch of mid-range jumpers because there's just not a whole lot of ROI in that type of shot. In the first game between these two teams, Tennessee won by 20. Both teams were 20 of 33 at the rim, which is astonishing to me to think that both of them were identical at the rim, but then Alabama, who's, of course, a great jump shooting team, goes 4 of 21 from 3, whereas Tennessee goes 10 of 28. Mm -hmm. And Tennessee is not nearly as good of a three-point shooting team as Alabama is. So I think a lot of people, while the spot is not great for Tennessee, they'll look back and say, oh, but Tennessee won this game by 20 the first time. Pretty misleading in my estimation. So I look at the matchup. I don't worry about the situational spot in a game like this, anything like that. I look at the matchup, and to me, I think there's a good opportunity for Alabama to bounce back, at least in terms of you know this revenge game, because I don't expect them to go four of 21 from three at home in this game. Yeah, no, I think that's a really fair point. The other one that really stuck out, um, and actually we, we won't do the, there's actually a low-key really big Mountain West matchup. We've been told we talk too much Mountain West. New Mexico on the road against Boise State is huge. Huge game. <laughs> because yep. New Mexico has found itself on the bubble given the way that it has played recently and dropping some home games uh, that it should have won. So to go on the road here against Boise State is pretty big. The other one I wanted to focus on because I think it's fascinating, the Boston Celtics of college basketball, I call them, because they are so good and yet so highly rated that they're not really covering numbers consistently. Houston is a six, six and a half point favorite on the road against Oklahoma. I, and Oklahoma has not been playing well, but I'd be curious to see if this number gets any higher, like seven-ish. I feel like Oklahoma could actually stay inside of a number like that. And again, while Houston is very good, there's actually value in betting against them because the market loves them so much and they have been uh, below average against the number because they're power rated so highly. Well, not only that, I mean, they're not a good offensive team. Yeah. I mean, you look at them in Big 12 play here, while they are third in adjusted offensive efficiency, it's because they take care of the basketball and they get extra possessions on the offensive glass. They are 12th in two-point percentage and sixth in three-point percentage. So that's one of my concerns with them long-term going forward mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament. But they don't make a lot of shots. Yep. So that's why it's tough for them when they lay numbers. If Shed, Sharp, or Cryer, like if they, one of, two of those three have to have 20-plus points. Right, and they have to kill you on the glass, and then that's how it's going to go. All right, uh, when we come back, let's talk a little mixed martial arts. Nick Kalik, his former odds maker and betting analyst for the UFC, joins us next. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel on VSIN, the sports betting network. You heard Brent there, VEASAN Prime Time. Well, Prime is the code for you to get a VEASAN annual subscription for only 199 bucks. A pro sub is what you need. Daily best bets in a leaderboard to see which experts got the hot hand. 
betting splits courtesy of DraftKings. So you can see where the money and bets are moving for every game. Upcoming March Madness betting guide. And as I always, 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 always stress, daily write-ups in every single sport from a vast cast of characters here at the network. All that more, vsin.com slash subscribe, vsin.com slash subscribe. I'll give it to you for $199 instead of $240 if you use the promo code P-R-I-M-E, Prime. All right, let's get to this UFC fight night tomorrow. Ooh, I was told to hold on. Okay, never mind. You got me all amped up. I was ready to go. I was going <laughs> to go straight into it. I had my opening question and everything. You like mixed martial arts? Like, generally, do you like the sport mixed martial arts? No, really? I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I just don't, I don't watch it. I I, I used to watch Stipe Miocic because Cleveland. Cleveland, but, yes, of course. Yeah, of course, right? I thought it was because he was a firefighter and you just love the people who serve our country. Well, I do love the people who serve our country. <laughs> Shout out to all the first responders out there. Thank you so much for everything that you do. See how I backed him into that just like that? Like, you always got to say thank you. T-Y-F-Y-S, thank you for your service. I mean, honestly, the gym that he trains out of was about 10 minutes from where I grew up. So, really? Yeah. Yeah, I was on a big MMA kick for a really long time. Uh, actually, I really do. It's one of those, I like an MMA for me uh, to international football, which is I really love the sports. So if you sit down and make me watch it, I'll, I'll watch it. Um, but the time that I, that I have for it is, uh, is uh, few and far between. So let's talk about somebody who knows it better than us. Um, Nick Likas is with us. You can follow him on Twitter as well at Fight Odds. We can talk about this, a betting analyst for the UFC. Nick, it's good to talk to you. So I wanted to start this first because, uh, again, general knowledge of the UFC, but haven't followed it day to day. Uh, fight's going to be at the apex. Is this still the smaller octagon? Is this still one that benefits betters in terms of finishes because these guys are closer together? Yes, that's correct. Every time we have an event at the apex, it is the smaller cage that they use. So, nope. correct. I mean, a lot of times it won't play out as dominant as you think it will, but there's definitely a slight edge there for sure. Okay, so that like, like that's what I was asking and leading into the next question, because if you got a smaller octagon and generally maybe tends to lead to more finishes and a heavyweight bout as the headliner, so you can kind of see where you're going with this. Uh, what do you make of Rosenstruck here and Gaziev and, and the fact that some spots open Gaziev pretty low. I saw like $1.35, $1.30 openers were up to a $1.95. What are we going to make of this matchup here in the main event? It's not an easy one because if you look at Gazeev before he got into the UFC, his resume wasn't all that impressive, to be honest with you. He hasn't been battle tested. On the other side of things, Rosenstrike has been battle tested. If you look at his win loss record inside the UFC, it's phenomenal. He's only lost to the best of the best. So this guy is the ultimate gatekeeper, and I'm referring to Rosenstrike. So for Gazeev, he's kind of the fresh blood in the UFC heavyweight division. He looked dominant in his UFC debut, phenomenal. I mean, this guy looks like he is the part, but the problem is right now where the line's heading around minus 200 or so, I don't know if you can lay it. I think it's a, a situation where the value's kind of been extracted on that side. You might want to look at Rosenstrike, to be honest with you, because he is more battle-tested. Mm, all right. Let me I... just say this. Go ahead. After the weigh-ins, not to cut you off, sorry yeah. about that. But after the weigh-ins, we noticed steam hit the market because the size difference was a little bit more evident than everybody thought. And, of course, Gazeev has a wrestling background. Not only his striking, he could depend on. So that did have an impact. After the weigh-ins, we noticed the market kind of steam up even more so. How much – I always like to ask this to guys who handicap mixed martial arts. How much does the market move after weigh-ins? What do you look for at weigh-ins? And are those moves accurate? Like, do, does the market freak out too much? Do they put too much stock into some of the weigh-ins? Yes, there's a little bit of everything. Every case is, a little, you know, differences, you know, depending on the situation. A lot of times if you see somebody that looks like he's got a tough cut and you hear he had a tough cut and he just looks drained, all that, there is something to it for sure. Um, if a fighter, you know, struggles, misses weight, whatever the case may be, that definitely impacts the betting lines in the market. A lot of times these bigger bettors, 
they'll wait and get down after the weigh-ins to, to make sure everything's okay with their fighter, everything looks normal. And then obviously at that time, the limits are a little bit bigger too, so they can get down. So the weigh-ins do mean a lot to betters out there. Seems pretty fitting, JVT, that we've got a lot of big favorites on this card because we're we've kind of had that theme going throughout the yeah. show here, talking about you know value in betting on some of these big minus prices that are out there. Nick, when you've got a card like this where you do have you know several guys minus three hundred and on up from there, are you okay with laying the chalk straight up, or are you looking for maybe alternative ways of kind of cutting into that maybe win by a certain finish, win by decision, stuff like that? Yeah, I think in a case like this, I mean, it's so chalky. You don't really see that all that often in the UFC. We do see it more like Bellator, PFL, some of the other leagues that are outside of the UFC. You see some chalky favorites, but this is not the typical UFC card, or at least what we've been used to. So in a case like this, you would definitely have to navigate things a little bit different. Honestly, I got on in on some spots around the mid 200 ranges where we're now like four or 500. So I got some value in early, but now it's, it's to the point where you can't recommend any plays at the current pricing. So yes, you look at some props, you look at some finishing potential, because even though this is a, a chalky card, it's going to be a fun one. I mean, there should be fireworks. We're going to see some finishes for sure. So outside of the betting aspect, I think it should deliver. Is there anything price-wise that is still available that could be recommended right now? I mean, looking at this, like I said, but as crazy as it is going against the market with the Rosenstrike side, I think there might be a little value, value there that did open up uh, because, again, he's more battle tested. And if I think this fight gets out of round one, Gazeev seems to be the one that kind of gasses out as it goes. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding that side. So looking at the market right now, I do think there's a little bit of value possibly on Rosenstrike. Uh, Vitor Petrino, if you're looking for a parlay piece, Petrino's coming down a little bit. It's, it's been bouncing back and forth. Um, he might be still a little bit of wiggle room there if he's under minus 400. And you might see some, like I said, market movement back and forth there as well. Um, let me see here. The rest of it, honestly, there's really not too much to it. I mean, we recently got some sharp action hit the market on uh, Klein um, as well. But he's a huge favorite, obviously. And then we had uh, actually Loik Radzadabov. Again, I'm going to butcher that name, but Radzabov, he's the one that got some uh, dog action recently as well. So that might be a dog and it's a more bettable fight to look at, but I'm staying away from that fight personally. So I said, like, for now, you maybe throw a couple of these chalky favorites into a parlay, but there's not a lot of wiggle room left, honestly. So looking over the card and I was looking at the odds and some of the movement, the thing that stuck out, it seems like Steve Ursek's getting a lot of love and this is things getting steamed up really high. He's upwards of minus 500. I saw some spots open them under $3. Why, why the line move here? He's the right side. Yeah. I mean, again, I got into the round minus, uh, you know, the 200, mid 200 range myself as well. He, this guy is just one of these guys that a lot of, a lot of people know about him, but he's a phenomenal fighter everywhere the fight takes place. And if you look at the other side of things, Schnell's typically a guy that has a little bit of a suspect chin and he gets himself in some problematic spots defensively. So Ursig is the part. That's why everybody's betting it up. It's kind of head scratching because I think a lot of the sharps kind of figured it out and, and didn't hesitate to lay the mid 300s on up in this spot. So it seems to be the right side, to be honest with Nick, one of the fights where the underdog isn't as extreme as some of the other fights, this Alex Perez fight here, which, you know, I, admittedly, I don't know a whole lot about UFC and MMA, but when I look at his fight history, he's fought once since November 2020. Like, that has to be a major concern, right? How much do these long layoffs or, you know, lack of maybe being in rhythm, you know, factor into your handicap? Yeah, you know what? It does, especially with a guy like Perez specifically, because, man, I mean, you look at the cancellations, he's, you know, he's had some bad luck. It's not all been on his side of things, right? But he just hasn't been consistent. And a lot of the betters out there, they don't like it. They don't like what they see in that. So it does kind of impact the line a little bit, too. For me personally, though, I think Perez is a very capable dog here in this spot. I don't trust him to come through because the ups and downs that he has had, and defensively, especially on the ground, he could probably get submitted in this spot. But he's got... 
Power on the feet. He's got good wrestling. Offensively, this guy is the real deal. It's just defensively, you can't trust him. But that said, one of my favorite spots, and I'm glad you brought this fight up, is on this fight, but it's actually the total under. I think something's going to give here. Either Perez is going to pull off the upset and spark a guy like Mokayev, or, I mean, he does have some finishing potential by submission as well, or Mokayev's going to take him down and sub him. And I think that's probably the more likely scenario here. So I like this fight, not going the distance, and you could still get some value, I think, under two and a half out there right now in that fight. All right, again, fight odds up on Twitter. Nick Kalik is with us, betting analyst, uh, UFC, former odds maker. Uh, let's get you out of here on this last 90 seconds. Uh, how sharp has the market become for, for mixed martial arts? How pop It's obviously growing in popularity, but in terms of sports betting, how tight have these numbers gotten here over the last couple of years? They're getting better, but there's still so many spots. There's still a long way to go. I'll tell yeah. you, a lot of times people think, okay, fight day or whatever, you know, game day, that's the sharpest the line is. Yeah, NFL, that's the case. A lot of other sports, that may be the case. But in MMA and UFC, on fight day, you can still get down and get some great value. So we're still a long way off from that. Uh, but that being said, it is one of the best sports, the fastest-growing sports to bet. And I love it, man. I love the growth. And I think it, it the, really – it's unlimited. Like, there's no limit to where this thing could go. It could be, obviously, we can't catch NFL or something like that, let's be real. But at the same time, it could definitely become a major player and keep being so. Well, you don't want it to get too popular, right? Because then the edge is gone. Yeah, but I still think <laughs> it's a different beast than everything right. else that we've seen. Yep. So there's always going to be an edge. If you do your homework and do things right and kind of adapt to the times, I think you'll still be successful. All right, Nick, we appreciate some time today, sir. Thank you very much. Good luck this weekend. No problem. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. This is a totally original thought, but I was thinking, you know what? I can't lay, I, I can't buy the hype, can't lay the price. Uh, I think Gazi is a relative novice who wants nothing more than to, uh, I don't know, like rush into the danger zone of one of the most devastating KO artists on the planet. I'll tell you your word for it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right, we'll take, we'll take, we'll take <laughs> a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up. We'll, we'll, we'll put a bow on our previews. We have the American League West to get to uh, with Adam Burke as well. And, and speaking of Major League Baseball previews, again, would stress, vcin.com, team-by-team previews, single-team previews are up on the website, starting to come out day-by-day, day, so make sure you check those out, vsin.com. We come back, we wrap up before we send it off into what is sure to be a profitable weekend. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever 
you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN Primetime with Tim Murray and Jonathan Von Tobel on VSIN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app, use promo code VSIN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Wrapping it up here on VEASAN Primetime, a big hello to those of you joining us out in Medford, Oregon. We appreciate your time today. Those of you listening on KDSO or 107.9 FM, we thank you, as we thank all of our affiliates around the country here on the Vegas Stats and Information Network. That one's not as sexy. There's a couple of others. We should give some shout-outs the whole way. Um, Some of my favorite towns that we're in, in terms of names, I've never been to any of these. Uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, just a very solid name. South Carolina State. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. No, USC, yeah, yeah, USC Upstate. Oh, look at you, you. There we go. Look what right, I did. Scratching you off the list for trivia. Right, yep. Scratching you off the true. list. There That's we go. True. You can't tell me that you know everything, and then the first time I throw you up an alley, home you of can't the do it. Uh, home of the Grand American Coon Hunt that my uh, father-in-law used to frequent. A lot of hunting dogs out there. You're a liar. You're making this up. I'm not making it up. This happened. I'm not making that up. I'm distracted. Uh, Also, Burlington, (laughs) Plattsburgh in Vermont. We appreciate you uh, listening out there in uh, Plattsburgh. Some of the better names that are out there. And I'm I'm a big fan of like some simple ones. So uh, those of you in uh, in Champagne Springfield, Decatur, it's in Orangeburg, oh, not Spartanburg. Son. Orangeburg. I knew what it. what a brilliant final segment out of me. I knew it. Let's get to let's put you in your wheelhouse here because you're you're obviously failing. <laughs> God, that was um, brutal. <laughs> American League West. Uh, we'll keep this one short, sweet, and simple. Even though in this division you probably shouldn't because it's a freaking awesome division. Um, outside of the team at the bottom, American League West. Adam, Houston Astros, the favorite to win it at even money. Texas Rangers at 2-1, to one, Seattle Mariners 3-1, to one, Angels 45-1, to one, and the Oakland Athletics at two, uh, 200 to 1. I was going to say 2,000, extra zero there. I went cross-eyed. I wanted to start with the defending champs. The Rangers were the team that a lot of the, you know, the, the nerds were telling you all year long. There were two teams, right? We're still waiting for the Rangers to fall off, and I'm still waiting for the Padres to catch fire. Those are the two teams, right, the entire season. It was supposed to happen. How steep is the fall off for the Rangers, given what they accomplished last season? I think there could be a pretty decent fall off here. I mean, you know, you're going to get Jacob DeGrom back at some point, but... Can you really trust it? No. 
You really can't trust it. I mean, Nate Uvalde was so good last year. I don't know if I fully believe in that. John Gray is a guy. The command is pretty suspect. Andrew Heaney barely stays healthy. Dane Dunning is a guy that was a massive regression candidate throughout basically all of last it was season. Infuriating. It was yes. As As somebody who, who lost <laughs> a lot of money on <laughs> yeah, it. I was yeah. just about to say. It was very, very infuriating to say the least. Um look, I mean you know, Wyatt Lankford, number two prospect in baseball, according to fan graphs. You got Evan Carter, number 12. So the lineup should still be really good, along with, you know, obvious holdovers like Marcus Semien, Corey Seager, all that kind of thing. But, man, this pitching staff leaves a lot to be desired, especially the bullpen, too. It's not just the starting staff that concerns me. The bullpen does as well. So with that, um, it does seem, if, if we believe that the regression is real, on the surface, it would seem like this is Houston's division then to lose. Again, they are even money to win this, uh, but obviously uh, just on the verge of becoming an odds-on favorite here to win the AOS, the division that has some depth to it when you're talking about at least being competitive on a day-to-day basis. But this Astros lineup, you absolutely love it. Uh, obviously, Kyle Tucker is a brilliant young player. Alex Bregman in a contract year. We'll see what happens there. He continues to provide. Jose Altuve falling off a little bit, but still it's Jose Altuve at the top of your lineup and Jordan Alvarez among some others. Very deep lineup, very talented. And we talked about about, like we brought this up to you. This is what I really like about. So Fangraphs has these these depth charts, right? It has a lot of information on it. And one of the things they give you is original team. Uh, you know where these guys came from because they switch teams all the time. You look at the Houston Astros starting uh, starting rotation. Houston, 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 Houston. All guys that are brought up from the farm and guys that they have developed. This seems like a team that nobody's f- like flawless. But given the strength on the back end of this bullpen, the strength in the rotation, how good this lineup is, I do find it hard to make a case for anybody else but the Astros to win this division. I'm really curious to see what the ceiling is of this Astros rotation. I, is Hunter Brown going to be able to go out there and okay. give them you know, 160, 170 innings as they're going to ask him to do? Because Jose Urquidy is not really a guy that you want to rely on that much. Christian Javier was broken last season. There were flashes where it seemed like the Astros had maybe fixed him. Then there were flashes where you kind of look at it and go, nope, he's still the same guy. So if Javier bounces back, if Brown bounces back, because he really lost his command, his velocity was down last season. He struggled with the transition to trying to go out there every five or six days. Framber Valdez is typically fantastic. I don't really worry too much about him. But I, I've got concerns about this Astros rotation. Okay. They may hit enough to just completely overcome it, and that wouldn't shock me at all. And you mentioned Bregman in a contract year. I would certainly expect him to have a big season. The team that I can't quit in Seattle. this division is Seattle. And I was on Seattle season win total over last year, sprinkled a little bit on them to win the division. Did they get there last year, win total? I they I think they barely got there on like the last day of the regular season. Uh but it, it looked bad for a long time. Then they wound up playing really well in the second half. Do they hit? Do you get, you know, a full ish season out of Jorge Polanco to kind of help out with, you know, Julio Rodriguez? Uh, you know, they bring Mitch Garver in now. They bring him you know, into the middle of that order. Is that something that helps them out a little bit? Do they get anything out of a Mitch Haniger? Because this is probably right there with Cleveland in terms of being, you know, maybe one and two for the best rotations in the American league, the bullpen. I still like quite a bit. I think Gregory Santos is a really nice addition as the setup guy to Andre Munoz. They've kind of turned the bullpen over a little bit here, which is sort of the Jerry DePoto special. It's pretty crazy. You can get rid of a guy like Paul Seawald and maintain a strike. Right, yeah. Exactly. And and people looked at that deal at the time. They're like, what, how could you possibly do that? Of course, yep. then Seawald, you know, had mixed results with Arizona. I love this pitching staff. I love this rotation. I love a lot of things about this Mariners team. 
will they hit? Yeah, that's that's just and that's always the question. And, you know, to take a team like Tampa Bay, for example, Tampa Bay's ballpark is not conducive to offense. And they were top five in nearly every offensive category. That's how good they got last year with the players they brought in, the guys they shipped out, stuff like that. Seattle is at a disadvantage with their home ballpark, but Tampa Bay proved you can overcome it. Will Seattle at least be able to have a league average ish borderline top 10 offense and really make a run at Houston? I think that's a really big storyline in the American League here this year. I, I would agree with you. I, I actually thought laying about like, you know, like we have right now on the screen about a minus 145 to make the playoffs. I thought that was a fair price or better to make the playoffs to lay with this team. Because I would agree with you. It's not like I think they're chopped liver or anything. I just really like what Houston brings to the table. And especially if you get like, if Cal Raleigh all of a sudden, like if he can hit like 30 home runs, you got like two guys who can hit like 30 dingers in this lineup too. So there's something in terms of power uh, with what the Seattle Mariners bring to the table. All right, so let's get to the bottom of the division then. Uh, Oakland and of course now the uh, L. LA Angels or the Anaheim Angels as they should be properly called uh, my hot take Mike Trout shouldn't be on this team by the time you get to the trade deadline I know you're selling them for pennies on the dollar uh, the health has not been great and the contract is something to behold especially if the health continues to not hold up Rendon doesn't care about baseball anymore I feel like this is t- this is the time to do it, man. Just get rid of it, rip the Band-Aid off, and build around some of the young guys. Like you've got some guys. Sean, uh, who's going to play first base for you, is 22 years old. you got Moniak, who's 25. you got Logan Ohapi, who's 24. Time to just rip the Bayonetto is one of their prospects that's come up. It's time to just rip the Band-Aid off and see if you've got something with these young guys. I like Zach Neto a lot. Yeah. Honestly, I'm, I was kind of frustrated. I saw a quote from Ron Washington talking about the lineup, and Zach Neto wants to bat ninth so he can turn the over- order over. And I'm like – no, you should be batting higher up because you're a much better hitter. And, you know, the, the higher you are in the order, the more plate appearances you get throughout the course of the season. And, so, Ron, and Washington wants to run more. And like, Neto can steal bases. Yeah, you don't have yeah. many guys who can steal efficiently. I here. really, truly don't get that. I will say this. I mean, I like Reed Detmers. I saw flashes out of Griffin Canning last year. Griffin yeah. Canning needs to realize his fastball sucks. Like, he does not throw a good fastball. But when he really mixes his arsenal – He's much more effective, and that was something I tracked last year. I wound up backing him in some starts because there were some games where he really mixed his pitches effectively, but when he got fastball happy, I wanted to fade him. But when he was actually mixing them, then he was a guy that I wanted to back. I love Patrick Sandoval. He's one of my favorite pitchers in Major League Baseball. I think he's highly underrated. I still don't think that the Angels will be a team that threatens for the playoffs, but I agree with you. I would trade Trout and kind of build around the rest of the guys. I will say this. I have not yet written my Oakland A's preview. I have not yet done my deep dive. I will be on the Oakland A's season win total over. I will. Right. Ab- I absolutely really like that play. Zach Geloff is a legit dude. Brent Rooker's a very good hitter. I think Shea Langoliers will wind up being a good hitter as well. This offense should be a lot better. But what people don't realize is that Throughout the course of the season, I mean, they were horrible, but throughout the course of the season, individually, their pitchers got better. Luis Medina hit 101 on the radar gun here in spring training already. His slider, I think from pitcher list, I believe they mentioned that his slider was like third in swing and miss rate last year. So Luis Medina is a guy who's really good. I think J.P. Sears can thrive in that ballpark, at least while they're still playing in it. Paul Blackburn's good. Alex Wood and Ross Stripling, two veteran guys that are solid. I like the bullpen a little bit as well. Over 56 and a half, I, I like that a lot with Oakland here. They're not going to be like the big sell-off team that they were last year. They don't have anything to sell. I'd agree with that. Uh, a division rival as well is worse this year in Anaheim, right? So, like, nope. that kind of helps you uh, on the margins, too. So, don't hate it. Don't hate it at all. All right. We're all done. Want to lay uh, my, minus 20,000, 2,000 to, to miss the playoffs? I think. No, but my apologies to the state of South Carolina for completely butchering the first part of that that's, segment. That's all right. That happens. All right. Uh, we're all done. We appreciate it. Thank you, as always. Uh, same ga- or, excuse me, a sports gambling po- uh, podcast coming up next here on v the Sports Betting Network. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.